Welcome to the Dividend Talk Podcast, episode number 16, Quarter 3 Dividend Portfolio Review. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Dividend Talk. I'm your co-host, Engineer My Freedom, and today I'm joined with European DGI. This is a podcast where we discuss our passion for dividend growth investing with our own unique European flavor. If you're new to our channel, please hit the like button and subscribe to us, and check out our previous episodes on YouTube and Spotify. See you on the inside. Hey, what's up, EDJ? How's things going? Um, things are going well, but let's uh, cut the small talk and let's straight go to the news. What was your news for the week? A uh, couple, couple of small things. So Shell has been heavily in the news lately. They, they, they've caused a bit of a storm on Twitter, by the way. My feed has been constantly of Shell all, all week. I've been tagged in all sorts because I've wrote a post about them recently, but... They've cut a lot of jobs recently, and we'll probably touch on that a little bit later because we have lots of questions around oil, so I won't won't say too much now, but pretty pretty big in the news. There's also Unilever, which I wanted to ask you about, about moving their headquarters to the UK and how you felt about that. I know they tried something similar to move it to the Netherlands. It was a two, or, two or three years ago, and, and it, it failed. But it's interesting now that it looks like it's going to the UK, and I, I was kind of wondering what what your thoughts around that was. Yeah, this is actually a really interesting one because indeed there was a lot of resistance from uh, UK investors to move it to the Netherlands. In the Netherlands, they wanted to do kind of a let's say a good deal for to keep Unilever in the Netherlands with I think some attractive dividend policies for them. It didn't work out. Now they go to the uk and there was actually quite a lot of silence in the dutch news i mean yes it was it wasn't dutch news but there was not a lot of resistance so it's kind of like people i don't know gave up to it or they just accepted it but it's really interesting how how nationalism and nationalistic feelings can really play a role in these kinds of discussions because you hear people talking about unilever at the time also in the netherlands that even don't have shares in it or something like that but still matters to people um Look, from a historical perspective, if you really go back to the Second World War, when I studied that time, you know, Unilever still exists due to the UK management at the time. And if you go through the history, I would say that although from a dividend investor point of view, you've been better off with consistent growth in, in dividends because it was always following the Dutch Gilden and later the Euro in pure dividend growth. But from a management point of view and from let's say stability point of view, Unilever really exists still today because of the UK influence, I would say, and the position uh, being offshore from the European mainland. So I think, you know, for me, it's more like a question like, will they start now growing the the dividend more using the pound as, as, a, as a baseline? And will that mean that I will get more subject to currency fluctuations because that was actually a benefit so far by holding the Dutch shares for me. So I don't know yet how that will look like. That will be interesting for me. But from 
from that i mean i live in poland now i can't be too bothered whether it's in london or in amsterdam uh, the headquarters but i felt it was a little bit strange the timing is a little bit strange with, with brexit around the corner mm. do you feel that that will have a, a negative impact on him? i don't know I don't know. I have, I have no clue. I have no crystal ball. I'm, I'm, I really don't know about the Brexit itself. It, I don't know. Uh, for me, it's more like what will the pound do? Yeah. And, and what does that mean for my dividends? What does that mean for Unilever as a stock? I mean, I, I have no clue. Yeah, well, we all wish we had a crystal ball. So how about you? What, what's your news for the week? Yeah, so I, it was the same on Twitter. I gave it already a little bit ahead, but um, Bayer with their uh, adjusted outlook. So Bayer is such a stock for me with what I get with what I have a hate love relationship. I mean, if I look at the numbers, if I look at their products, I love this company. If I look at their management and what they did with Monsanto, I, I bought the shares before Monsanto, right? And then they purchased Monsanto, and I felt like. What the fuck? I don't understand this. I just watched this Netflix episode as well about the documentary about Monsanto and how they were, um, how you say it, how they were terrorizing farmers to to buy their products and 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 really, um, you know, also make the life of small farmers really really difficult by lawsuits and such. And then I hear Bayer, a German decent company, yeah, that that buys such a such crooks like Monsanto. So it didn't make sense for me at the time. And now if I see how it's playing out, there's only one winner, and those are the former shareholders of Monsanto. They're, they're laughing the hell out of this. And and so for me, it's like it's it's the poison cup needs to be drunk totally. I don't know how far they are yet. They still have only 80% of the plaintiff lawsuits um, covered with the 10 billion settlement so that's still out there 20 percent and we don't know how much that will cost at the same time um, now with the agriculture business doing not so well as expected they are doing impairments i'm wondering how much they will start impairing on the goodwill which means that the company will get less equity if they start doing impairments which means that the debt ratio becomes higher it means that they maybe their credit ratings drop this is all a little bit ahead of them, but at the same time, if you then look at the um, the announcement, they say that sales will be relatively flat and core earnings will be slightly lower, which means they have still really strong earnings. The only thing that really caught my attention where I'm actually the most worried is that they said that their dividend policy will be uh, around 30 to 40% payout and then on the lower range. So what are they telling me here? Are they telling me here that their dividend will be cut by 20 or 30% next year? So that, that's what I, what I find a little bit fake. And again, I'm really, really picky on that because I always imagine I'm today, if I will be today living off those dividends and management of the companies from that I own stock in would all decide to cut 20 percent of their uh, dividend distribution it means like loss of income so i i don't take this lightly yeah there's such such announcement so i'm a bit worried that it might lead to a, a, um, a dividend cut yes certainly keep an eye on on that i i i'm not too sure i haven't haven't looked into them as, as most of you have but certainly the news lately has has not been positive so i, I i'd probably be staying away until 
until um, well, things pick up. Don't be surprised that after analyzing it, and it's now around 45 euros, that I will pick it up at 40 euro because th this stock supposed in the normal circumstances, you know, it's supposed to trade around 100 euros, not around 45 euros. If they wouldn't have this uh, lawsuit with Monsanto, it should have been around 100 at least. Yeah. Okay, moving on to some some lighter news. It's not even news, but it's about Bears Wolf um, S and P five hundred major league on Twitter. I know I know you're involved and I'm involved, and he has this whole concept of pitting companies against each other in in a kind of a Champions League format, so to speak. And it's it's quite interesting. Um, I know in the first the first round I picked Nvidia. I think that's what mm -hmm. they're called. Um, but I mean, it's, it's an interesting concept. I know you're playing too. It's it's almost like gambling, isn't it, in the dividend investing world? Yeah, I love it. I, I find this idea really, really great. And every day I will vote on his uh, tweets. And, you know, he's going to spend 1,000 euro on it. Yeah. Yeah, and, and what he's getting now is kind of crowdsourcing to get uh, to understand who what we think collectively is the best investment out of all of them. I find it a brilliant idea. I love the gamification in it, so I'm a happy player there. And I would advise every listener to follow Burswolf and just join us in everyday voting for who you think it, uh, it, uh, the, will go to the next round. And let's see who wins. I'm quite curious there. I like it. Yeah, great stuff. I'm looking forward to seeing who comes out on top at the end. Yeah, exactly. So moving on to our main topic this week. So we're going to have a look at our quarter three portfolios and, and just chat about the performance a little bit. So I'll let you do the honors and, and lead if you don't mind. Yeah, cool. So um, I will do a little bit like what we did with uh, the Q2 portfolio review. I have a similar graph again. Uh, people that are listening on YouTube, they can see it on the screen now. For others, I will try to go through it. So. In, in Q2, I made a lot of acquisitions at the time because this was April, um, May, June. It was really after the, that's it, after the, the Corona crash, let's call it like that. I slowed down during Q3, so I only made five purchases. The first one was AT&T, so I had owned already like 50 of those based on Q2 acquisition. And I now uh, purchased another 50, so I've got 100 shares, and this is the max of what I want to own for AT&T. It's, it's a four-tier position, and I keep it like that. But also, I uh, purchased three times additional Danone. So my Danone position, which is a tier one, is now approximately 50% of where I would like to have it. I can expect that around these prices, I would do still another contribution to Danone, in Q4 and then I probably will pause it a little bit to let the company prove my thesis and then later I can still buy in two or three years from now again um, when there are another opportunities but now I would like to start seeing it play out a little bit start to recover also a little bit in share price to see the dividend growing in, in Q1 next year uh, as part of the dividend announcements so that, that's how I will treat the owner so I purchased three three sets of stocks again i think i'm now around 100, 150 shares something like that and those were my main acquisitions and then just one just for the sake of um, 
like like being pure in all the acquisitions i also purchased five shares in royal dutch shell as part of the dividend reinvestment so with royal dutch shell i've got the reinvestment button ticked on ticked in and turned on and so every time every quarter it automatically reinvests the dividends i also sold a little bit i sold the after merger of utx and raytheon it did several spin-offs so i felt like i need to clean up my portfolio a little bit utx i just bought one time on the blue monday um, out out of nothing when i saw it so i i sold it again um so those were my acquisition and sales if you then look at my net dividend income for july it grew really really a lot but this is really simple there were a few companies few european companies and specifically i think danone that postponed their dividend payment from i think march or april to july to sit out a little bit on how COVID would develop there was also a strong push from the french government to not pay at that time so hence why uh, it shows it to a 43 percent increase but that's really a bit artificial from august my dividend income my net dividend income grew by 21 percent 22 percent compared to last year and september 4.6 percent compared to last year but on average my uh, net dividend income grew by 29 percent over the quarter compared to last year and i think on a quarterly basis it gives a much more reflective um, way and also i can say already that after the three first three quarters of this year i already equaled the same amount of dividend that i got paid last year so the upcoming quarter for me will be all additional uh, there and what is really nice now i'm now investing for six years and now i really start feeling the compounding because i have around two two and a half month of worth of dividends so if you look at my monthly contribution what i put in there i get like two to two and a half months of additional contribution just from dividends so i'm actually investing 14 and a half months per year now which is really significant and that also shows me if, if for the youtube uh, uh watchers you can see that my how is it my um dividend income is around 24 percent projected annual dividend income so it, it's really nice now nice now to see this comp compounding effect and it really the snowball is really rolling which is a really great feeling okay really quickly then also my portfolio statistics so my portfolio yield went up to four percent from i think 3.6 percent last time this is mainly to do with the fact that my portfolio stayed flat um, oil oil dragged my portfolio down and the acquisitions just just uh, uh, contributed to fill the gap but with that i got new dividend incoming hence why the yield of the portfolio uh, grew at the same time i think at microsoft growing a little bit but the majority was from the new acquisitions my largest sector was consumer staples in q to with uh, i think around that time 25 26 percent it grew to almost 30 percent now and that's mainly due to the danone acquisitions my largest holding is still microsoft it was almost 10 percent in q2 it went to nine percent in q3 mainly due to the new acquisitions but my largest cross dividend paying company state omega healthcare investors and uh, close second is exxon mobile and you know most of us as the investors that i also see in twitter are a little bit concerned about that i have the same concerns as over 10 percent yield at the moment and usually that's a 
a red flag for an upcoming dividend cost uh, cut. So yeah, this is my uh, review for Q3. I'm not too happy, of course, with the Dragon Oil, but let's knock. At this moment in time, the dividend is still coming in. So as long as that is my cash flow is still there, then I'm happy with it. But I wouldn't be surprised with a dividend cut from uh, Exxon Mobil, honestly. And I will lick my wounds at that moment in time. Would you not consider selling beforehand, preempting, like kind of knowing that that it's kind of imminent the signs are there is it is, yeah. it is it something that you take action now on or are you are you just going to wait and play it out so i've been thinking about it actually uh, quite a bit this week but in that case first i'm thinking like well you know if, does that then mean that i don't believe in oil anymore no i do believe in oil and if i wouldn't believe in oil what has changed because in march or april I, I I was totally different, right? Yes, the price started crashing, but why didn't my question is why didn't I sell then? And the only uh, logical reason I have in my head is that the oil price. Um, I said no, sorry, that um, that I would have changed my my thinking about oil, and I haven't changed so much my thinking about oil. That's that's kind of the the thing. So. And then the question is, when do I usually sell? Is after a dividend cut or when fundamentals change? So have fundamentals changed? Um, on the short term, yes, definitely due to COVID-19. We just see that there is less, um, uh, there are just simply hardly airplanes in the air. But on the long term, no. So the question is really for me like, how long can ExxonMobil ride out, ride out those sh uh, short-time fundamentals? I honestly think if I wouldn't have had oil in the portfolio today, I would have probably started building up a position because I'm, I believe that oil is so far down, it doesn't reflect the future consumption of oil in my mind. However, I've been saying that also with Shell at uh, 16, with Shell at 18, well, it's now around 10 euros. So I'm, you know, I need to reflect better on my learnings here. So it's not an easy question to answer. But so far, I'm staying on the sidelines with my decision to ExxonMobil. Cool. Well, thanks for that. It, it's interesting. And the compounding effect really, really hits me there, saying that you're getting two months effectively free of your monthly repayments into mm -hmm. investing in. Look, I haven't reached that stage yet, but I'm sure anyone that has it, it's probably a good feeling and it really starts to snowball and accelerate your path to financial freedom. So no fair play that that, that seems like incredible figures. And I know talking beforehand, the, the dividend growth was was quite impressive as well. So it seems um, like a solid, solid month, even coming out of what, what in kind of uncertainty that's gone on this year, you seem to be growing pretty strongly. Yeah, but most is due to net cash contributions. So, um, but hey, this is investment for the future because there are a lot of suppressed uh, stocks here, like the Nonus. So, yeah, if they start popping up, then uh, it will do well for the portfolio value, but it won't do well for my, how you said, for my um, opportunity to buy this company at an attractive price. So, it's always like, that's the mind fucking that we have as dividend investors, right? We look exactly. at the portfolio, we want it to go up. We look at the uh, cash flow, we want it to stay down. Yeah. yeah. So how was your uh, portfolio performing over the last quarter? 
So I, I've had a, a pretty busy quarter. Or yeah, a pretty busy quarter, actually. I've sold a total of 15 companies. So I've, I've spoke spoke numerous times that I'm, I'm looking to reduce the number of companies I had. So I had up around 40, close enough to 40 companies. That's now down to 23. I do want to have a total of 32 in, in the portfolio. So there's, there's room for nine more. But I'm still going through that process of doing my own analysis, which takes time and, and, and stuff. So I'm not in a rush to add nine companies. The, the companies that I have at the moment, I'm, I'm actively adding to them. So I've I've added to, I think I've opened up two new positions. So Unilever and Danone were, were two new positions. And I've added them to, I think it's 10 positions in total as well. So a, a lot of them came from the sales that I made. I just redistributed that money and then obviously i put in my own every month as well so in terms of dividend growth i've actually seen a decline this quarter over last quarter and that's down mainly due to tanger so we know well i've spoke about them before and it, it's probably one of my ad hoc purchases that i that i kind of regret but they had a had a pretty big impact and look my portfolio is quite small so and I had a large number of shares in them at the time, which made up a, a large percentage. But but even so, the dividend was down about 10%. If I was to take Tangor out of the equation, if, if they didn't exist, it actually would have grown. It would have grown by about yeah. 20%. So that just kind of shows this, the swings one company has on my portfolio at the moment. But it was it, it was quite interesting to see just how one company and how one mistake and, you know, making that ad hoc and going i actually went for the dividend yield and put in more than what i should have and it has had a negative impact this quarter but but i'm still quite happy with what i've got i expect to see a little bit of a downturn next quarter or at least flat because i'm after selling a lot of a lot of good companies there but they just don't, I, I just don't have a thesis on them at the moment i may add some of them back in but i just i just have to go through my own process of I suppose analyzing them and making sure that they fit into into my tiers or, or levels. The my projected annual dividend income is after growing slightly. It's up around five point three percent or five dot three percent, and uh, which which is quite good. I'm only a couple of years into this. I'm I'm looking forward to getting, as I said, to your stage of twenty five percent and and being able to see that compounding effect roll in, which is for me is quite minimal at the moment. One thing that I have noticed is that my sector allocation is is after lopsiding a little bit towards consumer staples. I think that's up around 27% at the moment. And I have nothing in materials and my consumer discretionary is actually down to 2%. And that was up around 20% before this quarter. So I sold a lot of consumer discretionary companies. Um, I'm, I don't know if that was by design. It, it certainly wasn't. I actually sold companies that I thought were overvalued at the time and I didn't have a thesis on them or I didn't have enough research. So it was. it's interesting to actually look back and see how my sector allocation has, has changed. AT&T are still my biggest holding, but Realty Income is, is closing that gap, followed closely by Danone and Abbey V. In terms of dividend, I think, yeah, T are still... My biggest position in that as well so i think they are paying like nearly 15 percent of my my overall dividend income so that's going to change over because i'm not buying any more shares in tea 
I have similar to you. I have I have a hundred or so shares, and and that's enough for me. Again, they are they're also in the lower levels for me, so I'm looking to build say my top tier positions now. So that's that's kind of my focus for for the next quarter. The interestingly, actually, in the last episode, I spoke about uh, portfolio attribution, and I compared how my my allocation was down against a set of ETFs and, and how they're actually comparing. And it was a disaster last quarter, if you remember. I was down like nearly 6 or 7%. Yeah. The return at the moment from, from the year is I'm actually up nearly 2%. I'm still underperforming the ETF allocation, but it's a lot closer now. It's, it's nearly 1% in the difference. So I'm starting to close that gap, and that's probably down to choosing core companies now. And yeah. And I, I, I'm not seeing too many investment opportunities. I'm, I'm trying to get involved. Like the ones that I'm seeing that are undervalued are the, are the likes of Shell that that I know is quite ambiguous at the moment. But I, I see opportunity there. Walgreens as well. Their, their share price just keeps falling off a cliff. Yeah. But I, I don't want to expo- overexpose myself to those areas. So I find myself buying some shares in Microsoft who I think are a little bit overvalued, but I have a better outlook on them in the future. So. It's a bit of a yeah. balancing act at, at the moment. But I, I'm quite happy with how, how it's progressing, just to see month on month how it's growing. I mean, I'm, I'm averaging three figures every month, which if you had said that to me two years ago, it was like a big achievement. So I'm now pushing to get that to four figures. Really nice. So you've had kind of a summer sale and a summer cleanup. Uh, it's like almost cleaning up your closet after uh, several years and throw away some old clothes and purchase some good quality clothes in return yeah look it was it was well overdue I've, I've spoke about it long enough and i was quite surprised i actually sold 15 i didn't actually believe it was that many but yeah looking at some of the companies and i don't even know why they were in my my portfolio so i'm kind of glad right. i'm going through this exercise i may add some of them back for example i, I did sell pepsi but i thought pepsi got to a point where the, uh, the value didn't didn't quite match i, I might re-add them but I, I just need to do a little bit of a deep dive on them yeah. um cool. and I, I did also sell exxon mobile as well by the way oh when did you sell them then i sold them i can tell you two months ago i sold them ah so you have some good opportunity costs saved there because then probably you have like ten dollars per share um uh, kept in the pocket compared to the price today yeah yeah and, and to be honest uh, I'm not too bullish on them for the future. I, I, I am concerned about the dividend cut. I, I do yeah. believe it's coming. The signs are there. They don't want to cut it. That's that's obvious. They're trying their best not yeah. to, but if levels stay the way they are, I can't see any way out of it for them. So I hope they don't for, for you, obviously. Um, and I, I, I may revisit them in the future, but right now I just saw yeah. better opportunities with, with elsewhere. And I'm, I'm happy with Shell. I, I believe in Shell Future. I, I do believe that they're, I don't know, going to be in for a tough time and the share price will drop a little bit more. But I'm more bullish on their outlook in the future because they're still going to have the oil um, than I am with XOM. Mm-hmm. So that was my reason for selling. Yeah, ExxonMobil, we, I just give my opinion about it, but I think we uh, totally think alike about this one. Mm. I just have it in my portfolio still, so... Cool. 
Well, I think uh, it sounds like you're really nice on track, EMF. If I hear that, I think you're really well set up also for, for the upcoming year, effectively, because some turbulence is coming with the presidential elections uh, and, why, and a second wave, you know. So yeah. I think you're pretty well set up. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm getting to a balance of, of where I like and, and really nailing down my core portfolio is going to be key especially going into next year so that's that's my main focus for the rest of the year cool so let's close this part of the topic then for the show the main topic and let's go so to some uh, questions from the listeners again and i think there's quite some oil in here <laughs> oil related stuff in here today so it seems to be on many people's mind but let's start with uh, andrew first so he's he says i've been assessing glexo uh, Smith Klein and have opened a small position. What do you f think of this as a good pharma purchase? GSK. Any any thoughts there? Yeah, I, I like I like GSK. They're they're a company that I've I've always looked on from afar. Is that they have they have a a factory actually quite close to where I live. So I do like companies that are close by and I pay a little bit of extra attention to them. The dividend yield is is quite tasty at the moment it's it's 5.2 or 5.1 5.2 percent at the moment and the payout ratio both earnings was below 60 percent and free cash flow was below 50 percent so it's 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 quite strong they're not a huge dividend growth company so that's one little bit of my concern the dividend was unchanged i think since 2016 and they've had a little bit like everyone they had a little bit of a tur turbulence this year the pharma section was down and, and the vaccine section was down massively because people obviously couldn't go to the doctors and get their vaccine. So it took, took a, a huge, huge hit. But they did have some positive news. They have this merger with Pfizer in the consumer healthcare division. And that was up 25%, which is which is incredible when you, when you think of year we just have. I believe that they're planning for this merger to be its own entity within three or four years. Which 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 will be interesting to see how, how that plays out. But for me, the most worrying thing is the amount of debt that they carry. And and in terms of a dividend growth investor, how that's going to affect the actual dividend. So they did take over uh, I think it's called Tesaro in a five point one billion purchase. Um I'm unsure how that's going to play out. So, I mean I, I think a lot of this really folk like my main focus on this is is how I feel this merger is going to happen with Pfizer. I think that's going to be key. And this debt, this debt is, is hugely, considering they don't grow their dividends so often, this debt will be key for me. So I think they're a good company overall, but from a dividend growth investing standpoint, it's not a company I would invest in. But they, they still are a nice company. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. I have similar thoughts around around that i would just also like to advise to 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 andrew andrew look a little bit deeper into their pipeline please because i'm not so convinced about their drug development pipeline i didn't find them so successful over the years and that's maybe also one of the reasons why the debt pile is so high and the dividend has been relatively flat or just flat so andrew have a look at the pharma pipeline and try to see if you see any hope there in 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 real growth yeah or not just pipeline replacement but you want to see growth there as well 
So, and, and that's usually a typical thing with the pharma companies and how it works in a pharma company. You cannot bet on one horse. So you also need to look at how many, um, how much research they are doing and really check about how many are in phase one, phase two, phase three, what is their rate of success? You can get these statistics from, from any pharma company, typically from the annual report, because that's what investors look like, uh, look at. And then you need to understand also like what's the potential cash flow and, and just Googling already for this and looking up an analyst report might give you this confidence or not. If you don't have that confidence and to the point of Derek, there, then don't expect, um, don't expect dividend growth here. Good advice. So we move on to our next question from Danny. And he asked our thoughts on how Trump catching COVID might affect the presidential race along with the stock market. <laughs> I love this question. I mean, we had the, the, the UK prime minister as well with COVID, right? I mean, this is just a, this is actually just a question. First of all, I think Trump is quite a controversial president. Uh, so to say, uh, there are people that hate him. There are people that love him. Let's say like that. I think, first of all, anyone getting COVID, I mean, I just feel, I really hope that they uh, get healthy and stay healthy no matter who it is. And I hope the same for Trump and his wife, that they will do well. And how to affect the presidential race? Again, I don't know. Uh, what I can envision is that, for instance, the debates will look differently, but look i saw some news flashes of the first debate and i think it's probably even better if there wouldn't even be a debate anymore because it's just shameful what's happening there they totally have no respect for the audience the listener and for each other so it's like two kids fighting over a lollipop and whom got which color i mean i learned as a as a father to always buy the same color of lollipops because if you have two two different colors you have like a debate like uh, trump and biden have this is what I was seeing, yeah? And I mean, so what will do to the stock market? So my thoughts, I shared that on my blog before, I think there's a Trump premium in the market. I think if Biden becomes president, I think I think we will, might see a, uh, at least a short decline because he's, he's going to increase the, the taxes, at least that's what he's saying. Uh, and, and this is just all not really good for corporate America which means probably less money for growth, earnings uh, uh, pressure. That's that's why I think about the Trump premium. So the question here really is, do I think that Trump will win? I think people are over-optimistic about Biden winning. If I, if I just think about the normal person in the street, also in Europe, please don't be surprised how many people are fan of Trump in Europe as well. If you just go walk into the street where you see more poverty, there are really, really many supporters for right-wing candidates and also candidates like Trump. Yeah, so, and people should not underestimate that because if you work in a corporate or something like that, or you come with an educational background in university, we often live in a bubble. But just walk in the street somewhere and talk to them and you see that this they have a lot of supporters. And yeah, um, I... I, I give the 50-50 chance that uh, Trump stays. The the timing of the announcement of COVID was a little bit 
<laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Suspicious, maybe. I, I'm not sure. Yeah. Look, I, I hope he's healthy, and I hope his wife's healthy, obviously. But I just believed the first debate was such a disaster. L like you, this this is to me. It's like a game plan. They have a plan, and and it's it's going to benefit him in in some way or form. I I just I don't know. Maybe I'm being too skeptical here. You think planned? I mean, you think literally that he would have in injected COVID into him to no, just no. be able to claim this? No, no, I just don't think he has it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I was thinking today. I I actually told someone. I said like, imagine that this COVID for him will be just a cough. Yeah, yeah. like that he just gets away with a cough. Imagine how he will use this to downplay the whole virus. Like, oh, oh you know, it's just a cough. You know, it's just something for weak people. Yeah, yeah. It's it's it's. Look, it's going to form part of his game plan. I'm sure. Politics yeah. is politics. If he does have it, as I said, I do hope he 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 stays healthy and gets healthy. But I mean, he's going to get the best possible healthcare in the world. Yeah, he'll be he'll be well yeah. looked after. So I'm sure he'll be fine. In terms of the stock market, I'm I'm expecting lots of volatility you, you can see with the COVID announcement there was drops in oil there was drops in, in all yeah. sorts so we, we can expect a lot of this over the coming months which look will present some buying opportunities we hope so it's nice. um it's worth keeping an eye on and i'm not sitting through another debate again <laughs> <laughs> well let's go to the next question uh, Centrino is asking about ExxonMobil. Buy now for its high dividend yield. Oil is there. There, uh, his assumption is that oil is still still there for many years, or run away because future is electric and gas. Uh, we just spoke about it, right? So I'm rather thinking sometimes, like, should I? I mean, I don't see myself selling the whole position, but just selling parts of the position from the other side. Yeah. So uh, again, if, if you be a total new investor, I would rather go for a company like Shell at the moment, not ExxonMobil, because I think with Shell, you have a more future-proof play. They are at least aware of the fact that energy is transitioning. I don't have that feeling with ExxonMobil. There are no plans there. Um, and if you do it, I would just buy something and 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 maybe even put uh, buy a put option below it to protect your capital for, uh, for over the half year and see how it plays out because i think it it will be really volatile until the winter finishes i think because then COVID 19 might, might start to disappear the vaccines are there and you might you might benefit then from kind of a bottom around now yeah so but then buy a, a put option just invest this one or two percent on top of it to protect your portfolio a little bit that that's what i would recommend today yeah i mean i agree oil is not going anywhere we know there is a future in oil there'll be some sort of future i would probably be a little bit more comfortable investing in ExxonMobil if they actually cut the dividend and i mm. i knew where yeah. i want to stand financially I mean, that's a little bit counterintuitive to what we we say all the time, but I mean, it's for me that that dividend is a little bit too uncertain and unstable currently. If they get through this, and anyone that has stuck with them will will obviously reap the rewards. And if they're buying now, I mean, fair play. But like you as I said, I don't see the rush. We still have the winter to get through. There's no planes up in the sky, so I don't see an immediate rush to buy them. I, I still believe the price will be be depressed when we get to christmas for example so there's still yeah. time I, I, you talk about opportunity cost earlier 
if you're to invest in them now with, with the same thesis that I have, I'm losing money because there's there's better opportunities out there. Yeah. So a hundred percent agree there is a future there, but like you, I'm more comfortable investing in Shell who are radically trying to change the culture and trying to change directions as well as keeping a foothold in, in oil. So, I mean, I'm not buying right now. I may change once we start seeing light at the end of this tunnel or if they cut their dividend and I, and I can get a, a kind of better feel of where they are financially. Cool. So let's go then to Lettuce Compound because it's a nice bridge to the next question. Thoughts on your favorite laggard shell? 30 minutes rent, please. Yeah, I'm okay. just going, I'm going to go for a cup of tea and just let you talk for 30 minutes, yeah. Yeah. So Shell is really a great company. Like how it's run, it's, it's with Ben van der Beurde. In my opinion, it's a great company. He was one of the first CEOs in the whole oil industry to recognize the fact that energy is transforming, changing. That's why they bought British Gas in 2016 at, uh, when, when the oil price was bottoming, because they see gas as a transition, uh, how you say it, um, energy source. They're able to liquefy it. They're heavily invested in that. The thing is that gas prices are also suppressed together with the oil prices because it kind of correlated there. Although, yeah, I, I'm, it doesn't always make sense, let's say. But uh, again, that's how the price action works. Now, again, they're downsizing. Their business model is changing. They are using these opportunities. I mean, why do they still need so many people if they're not building so many new assets anymore in, in, in their upstream business yeah because that's where most of the cuts will be happening we're talking about 10 10 percent of the workforce if you think about that it's not that huge right it's not like we're talking about 40 50 percent here it's 10 percent which is a huge absolute number but if they are downsizing 10 to 20 percent in their portfolio uh, in 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 the um, upstream business and and the invest uh, capital investments then hey that comes also with people right uh, the people won't be doing any nothing so i just think it's really good companies trying to transform into the future i'm still not certain about whether they will find the same margins in their new ventures as the margins that they would have had from oil like in the old days i think there are just different dynamics and we spoke about that a little bit earlier in one of the shows as well i think wind is for free solar is for free so they would probably become more like a utility company. Not sure about the margins there. That will have to play out. But yeah, you know, at the same time, it's almost ticking 10 euros now. It becomes almost a single uh, digit uh, number. And for me, if I would be a new investor, and again, I would have no energy yet at all in my portfolio, I really should. I would really start buying something there after a dividend cut of sixty-six percent or something like that. I think they they have done all all the stuff that you would have expected from someone who's also a little bit prudent in their um, in in their, I said in their investments. So I think there is just uh, a lot of prospect for Shell, but this is really you know. What we are doing, what, what we're talking now about, is the same as at the bottom of the crisis in 2009 after the banking. People were thinking that the world was collapsing at that time. It's the same with the oil industry now. So it's no wonder that everyone is really depressed about 
about energy and the future uh, forward look. And then they see Tesla share price uh, uh, fivefold from what it was uh, not too long ago. So like the whole whole world would go into electric. So I understand all of this. So the question is, do you have the nerves at the moment to invest in such a company? I think really, I think if you if you buy some now and put it on the shelf for the next five years, honestly, I think you will do pre pretty well. And if you doubt again here as well, buy a put option for protection for the for the upcoming half year. If uh, and and just invest that because let's say if if I don't know if a, what a put option costs, but let's assume it costs like fifty cents or something like that. And you would buy now for 10 euro so it would cost price would be 1050. you know if this share price goes to 15 within five years then this 50 cents as a as a as an insurance for your um, for your nerves it's not that bad yeah that's that's not be penny wise pound foolish here yeah i mean i i completely agree i've been quite vocal in in my support of shell and, and what they're doing I was kind of I was expecting the job cuts. I mean, if you read the last reports that that they've done, and look, they're trying to streamline the business, and it's part and parcel of that, isn't it? And it makes business sense. It's it's not nice for the people involved, and and I guess it hit the news, but it was was kind of expected. I'm I'm. It was funny how you mentioned Tesla there a minute ago, and remember that the tech bubble bust. It wasn't so long ago when they were all at all time lows and people had no yeah. faith in such Microsoft, for example, and, and companies like this. I mean, it, it's natural. We've got lots of questions about oil this week and it's only natural prices are low, but I've, I've said it on Twitter and I, I say it again, this is the time to buy if you're bullish on the future. I mean, a lot of people have, have said and commented that they do see future in oil, but in the same breath, they're thinking about selling or, or not buying. If you do see a future in oil, 100% now is the time to be buying. I, I'm lucky. I'm, I'm, I was quite young in, in my portfolio that I didn't have any exposure to energy until recently. So my position in, in Shell is, is quite good. So I'm not facing a huge loss at the moment. Even if they went to zero, I mean, it, it, it's not a big deal. But I, I am still going to be adding to them. I'm adding to them probably every month. I have stop limits in place or order limits in place that when it hits, if it hits single digits, for example, I'm going to buy a good portion of them. The only thing that would really put me off them now is if they cut the dividend again, a second dividend cut and I'm out. I'm expecting huge headwinds. I'm expecting the price to be depressed for a little bit, but I do have faith in the CEO. I think he's he's fantastic. As you said, he's, he's one of the first to spot the change into into renewables i don't think we've seen the full potential of the acquisition of british gas yet i think that's still to come down the line so there's a lot there's a lot there for shell i'm i'm extremely bullish and i i will be adding and i mean look it's recorded i've put it on twitter it's everywhere i'm buying now when when the prices are low and i believe that's the best time to start buying them cool Okay, thanks, Lettuce Compound and all the others around oil. Let's go to Phil. Is taxation a reason for you not to invest in something? Uh, the, uh, the only logical answer I could say is children because of inheritance tax. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it would be <laughs> probably cheaper to, to know that to, to donate it to a charity than, than to hand it over to my kids. 
but uh, no no and we have this we had this question a lot about french companies swiss companies and i i look at the tax adjusted yield so no i not really but i think you have another opinion on there around etfs if i remember correctly oh man i i i just dislike etfs in in ireland i mean paying nearly half half 50 percent of your profits in tax and then having to pretend to sell them and pay tax on their capital gains in every eight years i mean it, it is one of the reasons why i don't invest i did buy etfs as i said to you before um a couple of months ago but in that sell-off i was like you know what I, I just can't be i can't be bothered with them so I, i've sold them i just i just can't get over having to file out a return and every eight years for something i didn't sell and say look i'm going to pretend i sold this i'm going to calculate my gains and pay tax on this i'm like no i'm not i'm just not doing that so tax does come into it a little bit but but like you you have to pay tax anyway don't you so you just kind of kind of move on and just try and find the most tax efficient or yes. as best you can to to do yeah. but look true tax 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 and debt and is that what they say two things certainties in, in life so i've made my peace with with paying paying tax i just can't pay 50 percent on tax with ETFs. <laughs> thanks phil um let's go to gary farrell and actually I love this question the most because as a company nobody ever speaks about on Twitter. So Gary asks, any thoughts on Neste OYG? So Neste is not Nestle. Neste <laughs> is an energy company in uh, Finland and it's uh, engaged in the refining and marketing of petroleum and products. But it's ma mainly well known, I think, for their, how do you call that? Um, the diesel, a re, how renewable, do you call it again? Renewable yeah. diesel, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Any thoughts on that, EMF? I, I know the, the Nestle comment was aimed at me because I've never heard of this company before this question. So I do really love this question because it, it made me go out and, and learn something new. And I, I mentioned to EDG, I, I thought that you misspelled Nestle. So I had to, had to Google it. But when I, I, I look briefly, I spent a half an hour looking through this company and I'm like, man, I don't know how I've never seen these or how these, how these are not talked about more. They have incredible earnings growth over the last five years, I think up around 97%, I think the figure I've seen, along with their dividend growth history of, of over 27% over the last 10 years, which is, which is quite, quite something to be fair. The payout ratio at the moment, free cash flow is 68 percent which is average for that kind of industry and with earnings it's it's 42 percent so fundamentally at least on a, an initial screener basis they looked very strong and it's a company that i i definitely will be deep diving into and, and getting to know a little bit more we might even do it on the podcast if edg agrees to it i mean it was a good find I did some quick analysis, so dividend discount model and, and dividend cash flow, and they were ranging from between 25 to 43. And I think at the moment they're priced at about 46, so the, the value might not be there at the moment. Um, but again, initial from an initial screening point of view, I'm, I'm definitely going to look into these a little bit further. I know, I know yeah. you know the company a, a little bit better than me, so you'll probably be able to. Yeah, I, I know it a little bit, and I think... Um... 
you can get it in the Netherlands. You can buy their stuff in the Netherlands. I think I read the last time they have around 100 points or 100 dots where you can... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> inside a joke. They have 100 uh, points where you can uh, buy their diesel. And just think about it. I think they are making the renewable diesel from waste or something like that. So, so think about it that... I mean, I know there are companies out there that are trying to reproduce the whole whole. I said, the whole way you can produce normal diesel, yeah, based on the bacteria or the algae. Um, they're trying to do that. This company is doing from waste, so it is a perfect play on the millennial generation. It seems to have also less uh, pollution. So, from a marketing point of view, I mean their diesel is like like a perfect spot in a blue ocean yes so i think this company really has a lot of uh, runway ahead of it that's why it's a high growth company and if this would have been a tech a tech stock it would have had a higher much higher multiple so i think it is um, if you're a dividend growth investor there i think paying dividends since 2013 but really rapid growth I think it could be a really, really interesting option for a dividend growth investor for years to come. Cool. We we might we might do that on the show actually because I'm I'm really interested in in this company yeah. now. So thanks very much for that, Jerry. Appreciate you commenting and and pointing me in the direction of a what seemingly a good company. Good. So these were the listeners' questions for this week. Thank you, everyone. It was uh, as you can hear from us. Uh, we are quite passionate in answering them. So let's go to our final phase of this episode. EMF, what's your stock pick for the week? Yeah, I, I, I struggle this week. I'm finding it hard to find some value, and I don't want to just pick a stock out of the air. So I'm just going to give a stock that I'm, I'm buying at the moment, and that's Cisco. I've, I've mentioned it before. I, I think they're undervalued, my price point at the moment, by about 20%, 25%. So I'm, I'm quite comfortable in, in investing in them. So I'm going to be buying some more shares in them this week. Um, so not much more else to say on them, but that's that's what I'm buying. How about you? So if I would say about what I would be buying, it's probably Danone. But we have said it so often here on the show that I don't want to do that anymore to our listeners. So if there's one stock that I would like to buy at the moment... And then I'm not talking about buyer or something like that, where we are talking at the moment about a, a crash in stock price. I would go for Chubb. So I'm, I will be probably not buying it myself now. I would like to still see the go go a little bit down, but if it will, would go under 110 dollars, then count me as a buyer. It's currently uh, it's currently around 116, and Chubb is such a company for me, which um, I can almost buy blindly at the moment i've done my homework on it i love it as an insurance company um, and under 110 i would nibble in a bit a little get to extend my position so that cool. would be my stock pick from the week nice so that that's it for for this week it's been interesting i loved all the questions again the questions are are awesome and I'm still I'm still chuffed at that company actually and, and I can't wait. I'm probably going to spend the next couple of hours reading up on them. So thanks very much to everyone that, that listens and, and takes the time to actually write the questions. I hope we add some value or or you enjoy our insights a little bit. Um thanks to EDJ again. Another great episode and, and interesting to hear your your portfolio and 
I'm a little bit behind, about four years behind, so I can't wait to, to catch up and be sitting here with 25% um, towards my financial independence. But no, it was a great show. Any any closing thoughts from you? Well, um, I think it's always easy to look at others, uh, for instance, 525%, but maybe after four years, you had 30%. Yeah, I made many mistakes in my journey. Oil is down, so it could have been more so to say and uh, i i just found i just when i hear you talking about your portfolio you always make me thinking like oh i should do that as well or i should do this as well so what i just like is and i think that's kind of the chemistry that we have that we make each other better so i just wanted to thank you for that i don't know we are now episode 16 17 it's been a really quick journey our our listeners when we see the stats are also really growing exponentially so for me, uh, it's just uh, a great journey with you. And thanks for that. You're welcome. <laughs> so thanks, thanks a million again to all our listeners. And we'll, we'll see you next week.